Hey, we are in part two of our section called... Wow, I almost did the fake voice, but I didn't have to. Thank you very uh, much. Daily... Whoa, that's hot time with God. Now, does anybody know some theme music? Can somebody make up some theme music real quick? Okay, that's pretty good. All right, we got some theme music as uh, Samantha. Hey, skip it up for Samantha. She's one who has, you got a brain just like mine because I was getting ready to go back there with the theme music. As we begin our new study, that's right, uh, part two of Daily Time with God. As you can see written up here on the board. Thank you very much. Give it up for Samantha, a true servant of God. Yay! Yay, that's right. Our ears are still, or is, is your, okay, just check and make sure your ears weren't bleeding. But wow, that was loud. But uh, Daily Time with God. Now, notice the key phrase that's used there in this study, folks, is what? Once in a time... What, convenient when it's whatever, when my schedule opens up with God, my, when, whenever it feels like it with God, it, daily time with God is what we're seeing there is important. And that's where we were last time on page 37 was we looked at the premise of this statement. Can I actually spend time with the creator of the universe? Uh, yeah, is really what it is. And if you're here on a Sunday for a Christmas service, that still to me is what's mind-blowing, the relationship that we have with God and who is God, the creator of the universe and all that he's done. We deserve the exact polar opposite. We deserve to die and go straight to hell for all the things that we've done, uh, impugning his holiness, myself included, and yet he gives us heaven, the polar opposite of that. And before we even get there, we get to walk with him intimately daily with who? As we saw, as cool as it was, John, not the Hamburglar, but God. <laughs> this is God, man. And so this is what is mind-blowing to me. Why would we need a sermon? Why would we need, you know, uh, uh, well, I better, I, I'm having struggles with my walk with God and, and being regular. I better take a course. What do you mean take a course? I mean, why would you need to take a course and spend time with God? The creator of the universe. And I think that's what we miss the most importantly. Why is it so hard oftentimes with Christians? It's not a daily thing with God. Is because I think they forget the most important aspect to always keep in mind. And that's a relationship with God. And again, back to the Sunday uh, sermon we saw of what Jesus died on the cross for us. To have a beautiful, intimate, personal, loving, bride-like relationship with God, the creator of the universe, okay? And if you keep in mind with the relationship aspect and you follow that analogy, because again, the Bible uses the marriage analogy where Jesus is the groom and we are the bride, okay? But if it's a marriage analogy and the Bible talks about the marriage analogy with Israel in the Old Testament, you and I, New Testament Christians, Christians being the bride of Christ over and over again, you put that together, you keep that in your walk with Jesus Christ. It's not that hard uh, to understand because the issue that we're talking about, daily time with God, Okay, it's for our benefit. And the whole thing is not because we have to, not because you feel guilty now because we're talking about it once again, okay? And then not like, boy, that's going to be my New Year's resolution next week. No, okay? It's the aspect of quality, okay? Quality in your relationship. It's natural, just like in, again, a marriage relationship. If you only speak with your spouse once a month, <laughs> Yes, we are on the topic of prayer. Let's all pray and intercede for John and his uh, ride home, uh, apparently to the hospital. But uh, anyway, that's right. Uh, <laughs> right? If we only had, uh, you got a relationship, you, got, you went through the ceremony, you got the ring on your finger, it's, it's done. But if it was only once a month, what's the quality of your relationship? It's not that good. And that's what we see with the daily time with God. The three things that we're going to talk about is the issue with prayer and Bible study and scripture memorization. These are things that we do in our relationship with God, akin to the things of marriage, okay? And uh, even with memorization, uh, just uh, how many guys uh, did not memorize when your wedding anniversary was and you realize the importance of memorization? Right, okay, and, and memorizing God's word is important for us too. But anyway, so that's where we were it, uh, last time with, can we actually spend time with God? Absolutely. Now, where we left off was the top of the next page, uh, page 38, when can I meet with God? Okay, now this is what's, again, mind-blowing. Hebrews uh, uh, makes the statement that now through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have uh, access to the very throne room of God with boldness, with confidence that we can approach the, the, the uh, throne room of God. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament priesthood, you couldn't do that. You could not, first of all, if you were a Gentile, they had a wall separating the whole uh, structure. You couldn't go even beyond. 
okay? Uh, and uh, if you had to go in, even the Jewish people, not everybody could go in. You had the outer court, then you had the holy uh, uh, place, and, and then the holy of holies, and then only that, the high priest could only go in once a year, okay? And even that, uh, uh, that he had to sprinkle blood and everything. It's like, so you, you couldn't just walk in, it's like, hey, I got a relationship with God, you'd be toast, okay? But that's what Jesus has won for us. We can approach God at any time, anywhere, and that's what's amazing, okay? Because people, they get into this habit like, uh, well, I'm at work. Uh, I can't spend time with God. Why not? As we're going to see, he's with us wherever we go. And that's the top of the page there. The question of when can I meet with God is an important one, okay? <clears throat> An exciting thing about God, uh, that the God that we serve, is that he is omnipresent, okay? Is your big word there. In fact, let's take a look at one passage dealing with that. Open your Bibles to Psalm 139. <clears throat> Psalm 139. We're going to read verses 7 through 10. If you were hooked on phonics, how would you say psalm? Psalm, that's right. And uh, we bought a little bit of time there, Ruth. Thank you very much. Psalm uh, 139. And uh, verse 7 through 10, let's take a look at the text here. 139, verses 7 through 10. Dealing with the issue, excuse me, of God's omnipresence. Here's what we got. Where can I go from your spirit, right? Uh, uh, Where can I flee from your presence? Obviously, they're speaking about God. If I go up to the heavens, guess what? You're there. If I make my bed in the depths of, uh, uh, in the depths, uh, you're there too. Uh, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle to the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere uh, all at the same time, okay? And so since that's true, then we could spend time with him only in Jerusalem? Only in the uh, Jewish uh, rebuilt temple that they're working on as we speak? Uh, where? Uh, only, I know what it is. Only in the house of God. No, you and I are the house of God. The temple, that's some little Christianese that we say. Uh, the church is ecclesia. It means a group of called out ones. It's not a building. It's you and I, the people, okay? And uh, we can meet with God at any time because he indwells us. Okay, as the temple, he's omnipresent. You can't get any closer than that. And that's what he says there. Omnipresence, that's your big uh, blank there. For those of you hooked on spelling, that would be O-M-N-I-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Omnipresence is right. Uh, And it means that God is everywhere at the same time. This is an incredible truth to grasp, and it shows a little of the nature of our awesome God. Since God is omnipresent, it means he is always, is your next blank there, he is always with us. Thus, we can meet with God whenever we want and wherever we are. Isn't that amazing? Amen. I still, I, I, it's just wild. I mean, it's not, you don't have to just be, you know, well, I, I got to be in my little prayer closet thingy, whatever. And, and I got, you know, and then I got to go about my business throughout the day and just hold it all in until I get back. And, and no, uh, and we talked about this before when it comes to confession of sin. I, man, if God convicts you of something you're doing wrong, d- deal, deal with it right then and there. Don't stack it up. You'll probably forget by the time you get home anyway. But if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, just deal with it. And, and as you grow in this walk, in this relationship daily with God, okay, don't you, I mean, if you have an altercation with your spouse, don't you kind of want to fix it soon, Right? Unless, of course, you play that emotional manipulation game, which I'm sure none of us do, and you make them feel bad on purpose for a long time. Praise God, God doesn't do that, okay? But listen, you want to reconcile. You want to do that. So why would we hold off on that when we have the ability to do that with God? He's with us wherever we go. Now, I'm going to share a couple little things with you on this relationship aspect. Uh, I've had, uh, it seems like half our marriage with Brandy and I, we've had a ministry within a ministry, and that ministry is people stay with us, live with us. Uh, we're getting ready to do that again here, uh, Lord willing, pretty soon. And, uh, uh, but uh, one time I had uh, uh, my uh, cousin Bob had uh, stayed with us, a uh, newer Christian, and uh, going through a horrible time. And so he stayed with us for about over a year. And then I had another guy uh, that led, uh, led to the Lord. His name was Bob. And uh, he was 70, late 70s when he got saved. And uh, uh, he was the guy, I think I've shared before, if you were there at the particular study, and he was uh, choking to death. Uh, I'd witnessed to him for several years. He didn't want to trust Christ as his Savior, and his big hang-up was, if there's God, there is no hell, and whatever. And so he was literally choking to death. He had pneumonia, didn't realize it. <clears throat> and he said uh, in his testimony, he said, I was choking, and 
he says, I, I, it was about four in the morning. He says, I, I couldn't, uh, uh, I was choking. He says, I, I couldn't uh, breathe in. I was done. He said, I, I knew I, I couldn't breathe anymore. And he says, in my mind, I just cried out to God. And he says, the moment I cried out to God, I said, God, help me. In his mind, because he couldn't speak. <gasps> All of a sudden, he could take a breath. He runs out of his uh, trailer, uh, and it just so happened his Christian neighbor was walking their dog at four in the morning, saw him come out. Talk about the provision of God, just like that, huh? Saw his, uh, walking his dog, saw him, says, Bob, you okay? And they ran to the hospital. I got the call early in the morning when I got in the office. And uh, so I ran to the hospital, and there he was, and he wasn't doing too well. And I says, Bob, I says, if this is your time to meet God, are you ready? And God used that instance to really, uh, as a wake-up call, and so he received Christ as his Savior. So he lived in some not-so-good conditions, so he came to stay with us. He stayed with us for about a year, year and a quarter, uh, Brandy and I. But it gave me an opportunity as a brand-spanking-new Christian. My cousin Bob did the same thing, and now this uh, older gentleman, Bob, as well. And uh, I got to have the privilege to uh, uh, teach him how to pray. Okay, and one of the things I do with a new Christian is I want to drill home this relational aspect. Because, again, guys, my premise and my experience is, is, is if, you don't lo- if you lose sight of the relational aspect with God, you're going to start to treat it like a religion. And you, can I tell you something? Religion is boring. And it becomes dry, and it's drudgery, and it's horrible. But what is so boring about a daily, intimate, exciting walk with the creator of the universe? See, we lose sight of that. And once you do, then it becomes a work. Then you start making excuses, right? So the one thing that I start to drill at home with him when it comes to prayer, and I say, hey, listen, because I want to get him away from the thing, because typically as a brand new Christian, one of the things I asked the same question was, I don't know how to pray. How do you pray? And that's a good question. That's a logical question. But as we saw before, uh, I got spared from this from not being raised in church world, okay? And so I didn't have anybody come up to me and go, well, here's how you're supposed to pray. You know, the thing that we talked about before and all this verbiage and all this and you're supposed to and you're supposed to say you're supposed to squint one one eye and look spiritual when you do that, you know, and then if you if you talk to God, you must quote the exact verse that you were quoting as thine saith though thine Lord in Romans thine eight twenty eight subsection a b like God doesn't know. It's like I didn't learn all that stuff. It was just me and Jesus. Nobody was there. I had a relationship with him and I talked to him just at any time that I felt like it, at any place, anywhere, driving, work, home, didn't matter because he was there with me. That's all I knew. And man, was it cool. Okay? Don't lose sight of that. So to avoid that, brand new Christians, back to the Bob scenario, is one thing that I would drill home so that, I, I, and I, I challenge you to try this because it's impossible to pray, uh, uh, you know, and all the funny, weird stuff that we do as Christians when you do this. Next time you pray, and this is what I would train Bob, he said, Bob, because I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed to God before. I don't know what to say. I says, listen, as we saw in our study last time, at the very end it says there, we, we talk with God. Prayer is simply conversation with our Heavenly Father. You don't, it's spontaneous. You don't have to rehearse it. It's just from your heart. If you're having a good day, let God know. If you're having a bad day, let God know. If you love him, let him know. It's just no big deal. It's, don't, you don't have to rehearse it. Okay, but to avoid that kind of religious thing that we get into i would sit there and says okay bob here you go get him set him at the edge of the bed and i put a chair in front of him i said now bob this isn't some new agey thing like creative visualization you know not, not talking about that but the chair is reminding you of what we just said god's omnipresence okay because he really is with us wherever we go got it he really is but see we we just we i don't know conveniently forget it or i don't know what it is But the chair was the mental reminder as he closed his eyes in prayer that Jesus was sitting there right in front of him. And can I tell you something? In the biblical truth of the character of God, he is. Okay? Not to get all weird. I'm not talking some new agey thing at all. Okay? But it was just a mental reminder. Something was there in front of him, i.e. a chair. Jesus was there. And I tell you, Christian, if you do that even from this day forward, okay, uh, you cannot pray. You'll actually, you might even start laughing at yourself. If you start doing your own typical thing, because when you <laughs> mentally acknowledge that Jesus is right there, your mouth instantly changes. You're straight to the point. You don't go down some rote list, something, whatever, and your heart just begins to express. I'll guarantee you'll get much more out of it. You might even start weeping. It's just, it's just it's amazing. Now, that is just a tool, if you will, to get us to acknowledge the biblical truth that God's really right there with us. So that when we speak, we are speaking with that in mind. 
Okay, as Paul says, I pray not, uh, you know, uh, just with the Spirit. I pray with my mind, okay? But it's a, a, an acknowledgement of this relationship that we have with God, okay, wherever we go. And I've shared with you the story. And the, the key thing is don't just now do that just when you're in your prayer closet or in your room, okay? Another mental reminder. Now, again, these techniques, if you will, whatever you want to call them, are only there until it becomes a habit. I don't need a chair in front of me anymore to remind me of the omnipresence of God. In the beginning, until it became a habit, a way of life, okay, I did. Okay, another thing that I would do to ingrain that uh, was uh, when I would be driving to work or driving anywhere, <clears throat> I would purposely leave the front seat open with nothing in it. And to me, because I always, always wanted to put my briefcase there or papers or something, whatever, I'd leave it open because God's omnipresent. He's right here with me. So if I'm going to speak with him in the car, okay, He's right there. You see what I'm saying? And we'd do this throughout the day. We'd leave notes, you know, stuff like that, until it becomes a habit, just like riding a bike, okay? And he's with you wherever you go. It will radically change how you pray, okay? So if you're stuck in a rut, if you're just spitting sand when you're praying, I'm telling you, uh, try some of these things to get you to remind you of the biblical truth that when you are speaking, who in the world are you speaking to? This is God. So what in the world is this crazy stuff that we do coming out of our mouth? Don't we realize who we're speaking with? Don't we realize the privilege of, of accessing the very throne of grace, God, the creator of the universe himself? Matthew chapter... Oh, turn to that one. We'll get, I'm going to have to get on this one. Getting a little bit ahead of myself. But Matthew... Matthew 5, 5 or 6. Ah, here we go. Matthew chapter 6, the section on prayer. Okay. One of these times when I was having my quiet time with God, okay, uh, this verse popped out, and it even took my uh, prayer to a whole different level, okay? And I want to show you what, uh, what popped out at me, if you ever stop and think about this. Matthew chapter 5, okay, or 6, excuse me, and uh, verse 5, here's what Jesus says, and when you pray, now notice it's not if, okay, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, Okay, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Oh, thy, though, the thy. You ever been to a service like that and people do that? Are you serious? You haven't? We got to go on a road trip, John. You're missing out in life. Because, man, unfortunately, they're out there. <laughs> that's like, what are you doing, man? This is not some theater play. You know, but that's what the hypocrites were. They were the actors, the hypocrites. They wore the masks to be something else. That's what it means. Okay. And he says, don't do that. It says uh, they received their reward in full. You know, if you're doing it to impress men, there you go. That's all you got. Okay, zero spiritual fruit. He says, but uh, when you pray, again, notice it's not if, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray a third time, notice not if, okay, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Okay, the word that's used there, I think, is barbar. Okay, it's where we get barbarians, I believe, and it literally was like a transliteration of what the word really meant, like bar, 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 is what it was, and that's what they would do, just on and on and on and on, just nonsensical talk. What convicted me with this one was, and when I was reading this uh, in my time with God, was that part right there. How many times as Christians do we do that? Bun, rah, rah, rah. We, we pray the same thing in the same order, in the same mind. We've done it so many times that our mind, we're going, it's actually coming out of our mouth, but our brain is somewhere else. Now listen to this. Here's what he says. He says, don't not just don't do that. He says, uh, don't do that because you're acting like a who? A pagan. Right? Do you know any other religious groups out there that pray mindless prayers? Go through the beads, right? Say the same thing. It's the same thing. Now listen to this. He says, for they think they'll be heard because they're many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what uh, you need before you even ask him. Number one, I read in a um, uh, John MacArthur commentary, and he's, he put this together. He says, number one, you're acting like a pagan. He says, did you realize, in his commentary, that really convicted me personally. He says, do you realize when you pray like that, he says, a mindless prayer. When you're just going through the motions, same thing over and over again, right? Okay, he says that's offensive to God. Right? Now, that sounds kind of harsh, but not when you continue to keep this relationship aspect in mind. Okay, if I, again, 
approached my wife, and I said the exact same thing every single time. <laughs> right? Over and over again. That pretty, after a while, <laughs> okay, well, you get out of the sun. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, get inside the house or something. Or, or what did you eat? Did uh, Kenny spray chicken juice on you again? What happened to you? you know? But if I kept it up day after day after day, pretty soon she's going to get offended. And this is God. And again, after all Jesus has done for us and what he has won for us, we, then we, we, we have something the Old Testament saints could have even dreamed of and the only the high priest could approach the presence of God only once a year. And we have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and then we get to that access point, and then we go... Rah, 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 rah. No wonder, and that's why it convicted me, was it's offensive. Now, after he says that, don't go on and on and on and on and on and on, blah, 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 mindless stuff. Then he says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, what popped out of me with that, after he just said in the context, don't go on, 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 certainly not mindless because that's offensive to God. You're acting like a pagan. How long is that prayer that Jesus said right there? Do you get it? And yet, isn't it funny in the church that we have taken that short prayer after Jesus said in the context, don't go on and on and on and on and on and on. He got straight to the point on this prayer, and we have taken this prayer and we've turned it into a formula and that goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Have you ever thought of that? That's what popped out of me. He's like, wow. And so when we talk to God, we need to be from the heart. We don't just need to go on and on, okay? How, isn't it bad enough that you're sitting there? Have you ever sat there in a church service, in a sermon, or a Sunday school class, and the preacher, you're sitting there going, man, he could have said that in five minutes, and it's been 45. <laughs> you said the same thing 87 ways, right? On, 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 right? It's the same thing, right? And so with, I'm not saying that we can't take our time and enjoy our time with God, but when we're communicating, don't get into this religious mindset and go on and on and on and on when Jesus gave us the example and it wasn't that long. It was from the heart, I truly believe, but it was also straight to the point, right? In marriage, have you ever tried to communicate with somebody that did the same thing? Okay, let's not go there, <laughs> right? Let's, let's stick to the preacher analogy. That's easier, right? It gets frustrating, right? And it's the same thing. And you're going like, well, how, how do you, I'm telling you, it's not that hard of a concept, again, if you keep this relationship in mind. And, and specifically, go back to a marriage analogy. If, would you treat your spouse that way? Then come on, what in the world are we doing treating God, the creator of the universe, that way? We need to dispel it. Let's continue on. Here's what he says. Whenever and wherever we are. In Paul's letter, first letter to the believers in Thessalonica, he told them to pray without ceasing. Now, when you came across that passage as a new Christian, uh, when you first heard that, did anybody have this, the thing, like, well, how in the world do you do that? Now, is it really that hard when you start to, when, when what is prayer? You're just communicating. You're just talking with, albeit God, the creator of the universe, Okay, but when you look at it as a daily relationship, he's omnipresent, he's with you wherever you go, then it's really not that hard to understand, is it? Okay, because the whole issue is spontaneity. And they mentioned that a couple times in the notes. It's just natural when you come up, okay? Do you have to sit there every time you open your mouth to your boss, your coworker, your neighbor, your spouse, your kids? Do you have to rehearse what you have to say before you say it? It just comes out, Right? It could be a discipline issue, it could be a, a laughter issue, it could be a comment issue, it could be anything. You don't sit there and script it, it just comes out. And that's the same thing with God. I mean, think about it. We have the privilege to meet with him whenever, wherever we want. We could pray to him at any time. This is prayer without ceasing. You know, to break it down too, it's a, especially when it comes to uh, intercessory prayer, praying for other people, people say, oh, I don't, I'll run out of things to pray for. Uh, I don't know what to pray for. It's like, What? What, no, you're missing the whole concept. It's just as you interact things in life. You know, I was trained by an instructor, and if you guys haven't noticed, you know, people say, hey, Pastor Billy, can you pray? Hey, we pray right on the spot, don't we? Nine times out of ten, we pray right on the spot unless something's holding me back or something, whatever. Okay? And that's what he says. You know, don't stack it up. Just deal with it right then and there. Okay? It went riding down the road. You see somebody uh, uh, in whatever. God might pray for him. 
Oh, God, would you bless them? Keep, you know, you know, I see people on the road, and maybe they're, you know, in the, the little bit cold, and it's like, man, they don't even have a jacket. Oh, God, would you please take care of that person? Would you, uh, you know, if they don't know you as their Savior, would you please save them? Would you whatever? And just, I'm still going down the road. I might, by the time I get here, that might happen five, six times. I don't know. I don't know who's going to pop out in the road, whatever, Okay. Uh, you know, I see Kenny pulling into the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, God, please help. He's rebellion in the house of God. Strike Kenny down in discipline. He's going to hurt himself. You know, you know, stuff like that. It's just natural, just as you come across it. You don't script that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's prayer without ceasing. Sorry, Kenny, you're back there. But uh, anyway, here's what he says. He says, uh, uh, this means we should continually be praying as things arise. Right? Now, again, if you were back into religious mindset, you'd last maybe... Man, it depends on how much of a trooper you were. Maybe an hour, right? And then you'd have to have that piece of paper out, right? I'm not against all that stuff per se, okay? But when you pr- understand what prayer with, uh, without ceasing in the eyes of relationship, it's awesome, man. Getting up every day is, number one, a day closer to be with Jesus Christ face-to-face in a place beyond our wildest dreams. Number two, it's another day here on earth that we could walk in intimacy with the creator of the universe and hopefully and prayerfully he could do something with us for his glory and honor for other people's highest good. That's exciting, okay? There's nothing more exciting than that. <clears throat> and this means that we should continue to be praying as things arise. We can be spontaneous, okay, in our prayer life. Underline that word spontaneous there. During our waking hours, whether at work, school, home, vacation, or act, how many guys have figured out that you can actually pray during act? Okay, three of you are paying attention. That's right. We can communicate with God through prayer. Spontaneous prayer. Spontaneous is your next blank there. Spontaneous prayer is an excellent habit to develop in our daily walk. Okay? And again, I'm telling you, it won't make any sense if you get off the mark and you go from a relationship to a religion. Okay? It'll mess everything up. Okay? Now, let's talk about a specific time and place. Even though we can converse with God at any time during the day, it's also valuable for us to have a special, okay? A special time, uh, is your next blank there, special time each day to meet with God, a quiet time. Now, notice it's a special, uh, and the whole point with that is special. It's like, you know, does that mean you got to decorate it out? No, okay? The whole thing that you're going to see here is uh, consistency. Consistency is the key. Remember what was the key word in the topic of our study? Daily, okay? Not weekly, not monthly, Okay, it's daily, it's consistency. Why is that important? Well, how did you learn all this incredible spiritual truth? It's, it's a no-brainer because it's a relationship. It's a marriage relationship spiritually, right? And so it's like with any relationship. The more you're consistent <clears throat> of enjoying and growing in that relationship, the better the quality. But if you're inconsistent, you feel the results, don't you? And it's the same thing spiritually, okay? But if you're not consistent, you'll get inconsistent results. Nine times out of ten when people come to me, just a little side note, for counseling, okay? And it could be just about anything, struggling with this, struggling with somebody, struggling with something, okay? Usually, typically, <clears throat> I cut to the chase at some point and in love say, um, how's your walk with Jesus Christ? And it's the, usually it's the same response. Well, I, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about so-and-so and what they did and this and whatever. And, or, no, I'm here to talk about my problem at work and I'm having trouble and struggling. No, I'm here to talk about I, I just with life and this. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And we can talk about that. How's your walk with Jesus Christ? How's your daily time with God? And see, here's the point. Because when you have a consistent daily time with God, I'm not your source of strength. I can encourage you what you need to do as a pastor, as a shepherd. But God is your source of strength. And if you get unplugged, you're going to feel the results. Okay? Half the time, I'm convinced, and this is from my own walk, we're our own worst enemy. Why is life starting to drag you down? Why is it now, man, people start to get on your nerves? Why is it that, man, I didn't, this didn't used to bug me, now it's like, why, why do things feel so heavy? I'll guarantee you, because most likely, you're inconsistent in your daily time with God. It's turned into a once in a blue moon time with God. Okay? And, and so you've got to get back to that consistency factor, okay? Because that's where your supernatural strength comes from, right? It's from God, okay? That's where the wisdom comes from. That's where the direction comes from, okay? There's, what's that old song? I don't remember what it is. What is difference a day makes? Anybody notice how that goes? Yeah, praise God. Okay. 
Is that what it is? Okay. I don't know if it's okay. But uh, Grown with Midwest, that's stuck in my brain apparently, as well as Hee Haw. I can't believe you guys were not tortured along with me with Hee Haw, BR549. You three, praise God. Junior samples, man, I still have nightmares about that guy. He freaks me out. Really? The thing, the license plate thing, he showed up there, and then they pop up in the cornfield. Ha, Timbuktu, population 578. They move on to, you never see that? I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but anyway, that's right. Uh, I digress. Uh, (laughs) Okay, but how many times, I kid you not, in consistent time with prayer, uh, with God, is, I, I have a phrase, it's what a difference a prayer makes. And you're just spending time with God, and all of a sudden, bang, the release comes. I don't, you know, wasn't necessarily expecting it. All of a sudden, you're praying, and just thoughts start going through your head, and go, oh, that's what I need to do. Happens with me with sermon notes when I'm preaching on it all the time. But here's the point. If you're not consistent, how, 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 how can we expect consistent interaction like that from God? Consistent strength, consistent wisdom, consistent direction, consistent uh, spiritual sustenance. If we're inconsistent, you're not going to get all that. It's always hit and miss. And so back to the premise, again, that's why I'll cut to the chase and say, how's your walk with Jesus? We can deal with that, but I'll guarantee you the reason why you're having such a hard time is my theory is you've unplugged in consistency with God. And if you get back to that, it may not change your circumstances, but what you will find is different is that it's not weighing you down like it was before you came in here. So let's clear that up first, then we can talk about some of these nuances and stuff like that. Okay, and that's what he's talking about. Consistency is the key, a special time each day to meet with God. Now, some of us are morning people and some of us are night people. How many guys are morning people? Really? How many of you guys uh, cannot stand morning people? That would be the night people. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody on the phone today, man. It was early in the morning and uh, I was on the way here. And uh, I was like, man, hey, I, I asked them the proverbial question. Are you a morning person? Because I am. I love mornings. This is great. This is awesome. And they're like, no. <laughs> and I, I even asked them, I said, don't you love talking to people who are morning people? <laughs> That's me. So how many of you guys have learned that uh, uh, you married the exact opposite when you got married right there? So uh, I've learned that uh, with my wife, Brandy, what you do is uh, I, I do my little happy elf dance because I love mornings, man, because it's a brand new day. All, all, who knows what's going to happen? It's exciting. You do. A little bit later? Okay, that's cool. Okay. That's cool. Right on, right on. So, but I've learned to take my happy little elf dance and just go to another room and continue on with that. Okay, and what you do is you get like about a, a three-pound steak, you throw it in the, uh, in the bed next to Brandy, you know, close the door, let her do her thing. You know, eventually she get no, but uh, she's not here, and I'll probably pay for this later, but anyway, no, no. But you guys don't say, but that's what he's saying. You need to understand what kind of character you are, because when you have your time with God, you want it to be quality time, okay? If you're a morning person and it's midnight, that's probably not when you're going to have quality time with God. Right, and if you're not a, a, a morning person, but you're more, it takes a little while to get in gear. That's when you probably need to have time with God, right? You know, because how many times have you done that one before? I feel so convicted after that sermon. I'm going to read 900 chapters of the Bible a day. I'm going to pray for nine hours. And you start out, you man, you give it gangbusters. You're killing yourself that whole week, and it didn't work, and it just messed you up. You picked the wrong time. You went, you went way overboard. Nobody can read that much in one day. Plus, what's the purpose of reading in the first place? Okay, we'll get to that in one of these days. And, and, it's like, it's, and then you get deflated, and you quit, and you say, well, all right, next January 1st, I'll do it again. Right? You need to pick your a special time. What kind of a characteristic, what kind of person? That's what he's talking about. Everybody's different, okay? And he says, uh, uh, so everybody's quiet time with God will not be at the same time. Now, again, I would say that, that that helps with your consistency factor. Me personally, I don't know if it's just because I'm a morning person, but I want to start my day off with that. And I'm crazy busy, man. And uh, it would be very tempting to not do that because I got a lot of stuff to do. In any given day, and there's always something going on, okay, and always some vine pulling for time and stuff like that, okay. And for me, it's uh, it's like uh, I've shared it before. Uh, it's a step of faith, not just because I, I would say I'm a morning person too, but it's a step of faith that I want to sacrifice that first time of the day for God, because it's saying, no, God, you come first, not my schedule, 
not all that I think I need to accomplish. You come first. Okay, and I can't tell you how many times that when you're putting God's first, I'm going, man, I don't know, man, I, gotta, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to, and you not only do it, but you have time to spare because you put God first. It's the same phrase I shared before, I believe, with Martin Luther. Martin Luther had a crazy schedule, if you know him, and uh, the question was asked, one of his aides came in and says, uh, Dr. Luther, uh, there's no way you're going to accomplish all this in one day. It's impossible. You're going to have to cut some things. And his response as it went to his aide was, I guess I better spend an extra hour in prayer. That's a whole different mindset, okay? So again, you know, no, understand what it is, but again, the whole point is it's consistency. But even within the special time, please, 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 please don't leave Jesus there wherever that special time is, okay? It's a relationship. You can have uh, time with him anywhere, wherever you go, okay? We'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. And it says this, we even see that Christ gave us an example of maintaining a quiet time. Mark tells us, and early in the morning while it was still dark, he, Jesus, arose and went out to a lonely place, is what's there, and he was praying there. A lonely place, and he was praying there. Our quiet time should be a time when we are rested and alert so that we can concentrate on what we study and on our prayer before God. The key for most of us is that the time and the place be consistent, there's that word again, consistent as possible, okay? Because, again, you're talking about quality. If, if once in a blue moon you invest in your relationship and your marriage, it's all you're going to get. But if, it's, if you're steady Eddie, about it and it's consistent, you're going to get consistent results. It's just like, in, frankly, any endeavor in life, isn't it? You know, you want to be good at something or this or whatever, you've got to be consistent, right? Well, how much more than in spiritual things? Okay, that's what he's talking about. Uh, the place where we meet with God should be a quiet place where we can concentrate on what we have read from God's word and meditate on the implications. Now, remember, the meditate thing was chew on as we saw last time, uh, to our lives and the lives of our families. We will also appreciate the quiet place as we unreservedly pour out our hearts to our Father in adoration, praise, thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. Okay, uh, as he's talking about there. Now, the three key elements to a fruitful, life-transforming quiet time are prayer life, is your first blank there, prayer life, personal Bible study, is the second one, Bible study, and three, scripture memorization. Scripture memorization now one little thing i want to say we talk about the consistency notice it was a quiet time okay how many guys uh, lost your spirituality when every time you tried to have your quiet time uh with uh the lord here comes the crumb snatchers right and all this stuff that's the code word for kids right so how many guys moms has learned that uh you can't even go to the bathroom and all of a sudden they find out somehow and they start knocking at the door and, uh, but they're always there, okay? And, uh, but you lose your spirituality real quick. So you need to, uh, unfortunately. Weenie dogs? No, I got a good story about a weenie dog. My, I got a good weenie dog lesson on that one. So uh, I had my female weenie dog. Okay, kid you not. Oh, this is a good one. Hey, thanks, John. This is fresh bread. Uh, but uh, had uh, my uh, female weenie dog. I'm going back to work on the laptop in the bedroom, trying to work on the sermon. This was in Northern California. And uh, my female weenie dog, man, she always has to be by my side. Always has to be by my side. Just has to be there. You know what I'm saying? She's my guard dog. Don't mess with me. But anyway, so, <laughs> so she has to be right beside me. So I'm crazy busy. I'm trying to get quiet. So I need to get some work done on the laptop, working away on sermon, what have you. And I just got in there. Just got the thing fired up. Just getting ready to go. Just getting into the study mode. Just starting to work on it. And all of a sudden here, <laughs> scratching at the door, man. It's, oh, come on. The dog saw me because I tried to sneak in there, right? And uh, so, and so I'm going, no, I'm not getting up. I just got started. I'm just, I'm going to win this battle. And that dog just kept going and kept scratching and kept going and kept scratching and kept going and kept scratching and kept going. And, kept scratching and, kept going and, kept, and I kid you not, I was going, I'm trying to concentrate and I just, dog, you're not going to win. You know, I'm trying to, I can't even keep my train of thought. I'm focused on this goofy dog and can't focus. And anyway, so, so finally the dog won. Dog won, jumped up in my lap and uh, uh, just, it was just right there, right next beside me and just, if Weenie Dogs could smile, she smiled. She, yeah, she won. She got up there. I said, all right, fine. Whatever. I kid you not, I got there. The thought went through my brain as soon as I got going. Is that how you seek time with God? Do I scratch and claw? I've got to spend time with him. I've got to spend time with him. I don't care what's going on. I, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I got to spend time. There. I, gotta, I, gotta, I don't care what I got to do. I'm going to scratch. I gotta... Man, that was convicting. From a wiener dog. That's right. Get a wiener dog. 
grow in your relationship with Jesus. But hey, that's right. That's a new book coming out. And uh, we'll continue on. Uh, one thing real quick with the, as we close with the prayer aspect, because the issue is consistency. Okay, and you're talking about wiener dogs, talking about kids, talking about interruptions, okay? Uh, one thing is you're going to have to be flexible, okay? And this is one thing that I learned. I had, uh, uh, you know, when, when people weren't living with us, I had my morning time. I learned to get out of the room with Brandy, let her do her thing. I'm in the living room. I had this big old fluffy, lazy boy chair, right? I get a cup of coffee, right? Crack open the Bible, have some great time with God. And that was my spot. That was my special place like he's talking about. Okay, to start the day off with. And, uh, but then when people come live with you, guess what happens? Here they come. <laughs> and you start out there, and all of a sudden your routine gets messed up, doesn't it? Right? And then so you try all your little tricks. You try to sneak out so they can't hear you coming out of the bedroom. But no, no, they heard you, and here they come. You know, whether it be the kids or cousins or whoever it is, man, oh, boy. And so then, you know, you're getting all frustrated. And it's like, man, you know, blah, blah, you know whatever, and you're getting all discombobulated. And finally, one day, it dawned on me. The problem wasn't so much my cousins or my uh, nieces or nephews that were staying with us uh, that was interrupting my quiet time. It's just I needed to be flexible, okay? And so what I did, actually, because the temptation is, well, I'll just quit until they leave. Don't do that, okay? And what I did was I uh, found a, it about two, three blocks away from where I was working at. Uh, it, uh, uh, there's a warehouse complex, and there was an open field over there. And so I literally would go ahead and uh, I switched my routine up. Instead of having my quiet time with God, then get in the shower, then go to work, I would go ahead and get in the shower, uh, get ready for work, uh, go about a half hour or a couple blocks away from uh, work for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and just park there because nobody was there. And for that season when the family was there, I still got my quiet time. And so I want to throw that little practical nugget in there for you is sometimes you're going to go through seasons and you're not always going to have this private time, this quiet time, this special time because things will intrude in that. But that's no excuse to quit, okay? You just got to be flexible. You got to be creative and find that spot uh, wherever it is. Uh, Now, let's get to the issue when it talks about uh, prayer life. There it says there, as we stated previously, prayer is conversation with God, okay? In Frank Helton's book, Quiet Time, uh, he states the following, if authority were needed for observing an early morning quiet time, the writing and example of men of God in all ages would supply it. But the example of our master himself, Our master himself, Jesus, who rising up a great while before Dale, Dale, and we want to go. Now, I had to throw that in there because that's your first typo in our study. Uh, It's not Dale. I have no idea what that little symbol is, but that's not what it is. Okay, uh, it's just uh, before the day went out. Okay, so I know you're out there. So before the day went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed is sufficient evidence of its supreme importance for us. The importance of our prayer life cannot be overstated. We see numerous examples from Scripture of the importance of prayer uh, life in the lives of godly saints such as Moses, Daniel, Nehemiah. What a privilege we have to converse with the creator of the universe. Give me a break. If Jesus, the Son of God, kept a daily consistent time, do you think, excuse me, how busy he was? Can you imagine what he went through? I think, I think it's in Mark. Man, when you get into the Greek, it's some, into the, these, it's such an expressive language. Um, and when you start to see what he went through, um, there's this one scene there when he's teaching on the beach there. And as he's teaching on the beach and, uh, in Mark, and uh, it says, and, you know, and, and people were healed with demons and, you know, and stuff like that. In, let me give you a scene according to the Greek that doesn't quite come across in the English. Not that it's not translate correctly but it's a whole different scene okay he's just doing a normal thing it's just one slice of one little piece of one little day okay you thought you had some pressure okay and so he's walking there i kid you not and the greek first of all is is implies with the verb the verbs there continuance so it was ongoing so literally what was going on in just that one little scene there talk about a weird scene is he would sit there he would heal one person Continually, he'd heal, and a demon would shriek out like that and shriek out with some person. And he'd go to another one, he'd heal another person, and he's going back and forth. He'd heal one, the demons, can you imagine that? That was one little slice, one little day, whatever, and then people always clawing at him, and this and that, and healing, this and that, and that nonsense. He couldn't find, yeah, go out on a boat, and he'd be teaching and healing that, and the actual demonic stuff was taking place, and things of this, and people that, and wow. 
And yet the Bible says he got up before everybody else. Don't you think he was a little tired? Went all alone, found a solitary place and prayed to God the Father. And sometimes all night long. Disciples, after they got up, went out and found him, still praying. Wow. And yet we don't need to pray? Or that's optional? That's pretty crazy. You look at the lives of Moses, Nehemiah, Daniel. I don't know about you, but you know, people say, well, I'd like to be a great, mighty Christian. You know, and I'll never forget the one guy. He says, you know, I'm so sick and tired of reading about somebody who knew 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 somebody who did something great for God. Don't you want to be one of those people? You know how it happens? It's not because we're so great. We're all a bunch of crackpots, myself included, right? God uses us, praise God, in spite of us. You know where the power comes from? Right there. Daily time with God. Jesus did it. Moses did it, Nehemiah did it, Daniel did it. Guess what? We can do it today if we would just get back to that relational aspect and just enjoy it. A daily time with God. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy, even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior, if we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy 
through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.